Yeah. Yeah. We are. It's our first episode. Yeah. Okay, so welcome everyone who's joining us today for this uh, pool cast. Um, this is going to be me and myself and Robin's first episode. Please forgive us because uh, podcasting is completely new to us. So we're kind of learning by default, I think, Robin, aren't we? Yeah, well, uh, I've got a phone in one hand. I've got my iMac in front of me. Uh, I'm a bit of a technophobe, so God knows how this is going to pan out. But let's uh, keep our fingers crossed that we've got this sussed. So I'm relying on Mr. Ogilvy here, who is 350 miles away in Aylesbury. <laughs> so it will hopefully be interesting for the listeners when they get a chance to tune in, so long as we can publish this. I think we should be okay in that front. So I think um, we, me and Robin's talked a few bit times about this, but today we're just going to have what we're going to call, we're going to call it lockdown chat, are we, Robin? Yeah, lockdown chat. Um uh, it's hard to remember any time before lockdown, uh, but we're going to talk about the new norm. We're going to talk about what's happened during lockdown because memories have been quite short uh, and some people are forgetting what it was like in lockdown. In fact, I think uh, some people have forgotten that there is actually COVID-19 out there because the cases are going through the roof because of all the house parties. But anyway, we're going to talk about pools. <laughs> we're going to talk about what's happened throughout lockdown and some of the, the obstacles that have been put in your way to try and get back up and running. So, yeah, yeah, no, definitely yeah, no. going to be locked in. And for anyone who doesn't know me or Robin up there, you know, me, me, and, me and you have been severely affected by this lockdown because we're, we're reliant on pools being open, aren't we, Robin? We're reliant on um, facilities being open, people what training, consultancy, um, you know, and, and new pools as well. So uh, this, is, this has been our livelihood affected massively, hasn't it? Hundred percent. I remember uh, looking at my diary on uh, the Thursday before lockdown, thinking, "Well, oh, I'm absolutely rammed, absolutely rammed." Everyone looking for pool plant operators training, uh, water analysis projects on the go, and then uh, overnight, pretty much in one fell swoop, I went from out working every day to daddy daycare, looking after three kids at home trying to remember what standard deviation is in maths because my 15-year-old was having to do that at home. It was a nightmare. <laughs> it was a nightmare. It was, uh, and that happened not just to me, but happened to you, Ian, and it also yeah. happened to all our swimming pools. Frightening. Never seen this in my life. So yeah, hopefully, it, hopefully not going to see it for too much longer. No, it was. It was, it was, it was incredibly frightening, mate. And um, I'm similar to you. My diary just went from looking pretty good to um, absolutely being completely terrible and just a mess. And, uh, yeah, long long was that date many times ago where um, we all just got hit by lockdown. But um, we'll start ourselves off what we were, I mean, it was because it was quite a short announcement for us, wasn't it? And I remember some polls getting the announcement on the Friday that they would have to be closed that Friday night. Um, yeah. And- yeah. I, I don't know if you remember, but uh, the, the rumours, I mean, I delivered a pool plant operator's course uh, on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday up in Aberdeenshire. Uh, I got a phone call on, I think it was on the Tuesday during the lunchtime of that course saying, Robin, uh, our company, uh, from well, it was from a, a client of mine saying that their company, their organisation wanted to cancel their training on the Thursday. Um, mm. I said, right, no bother. Uh, and then uh, later that day, somebody cancelled the Friday 
I was due to go over to Northern Ireland the following week for iOS, the Institute of Swimming, to do a course for them. They were in kind of negotiations and saying, listen, Rob, we're not sure about what's going to happen. It got yeah. cancelled, and then before you know it, you're checking your emails. Uh, I was checking my emails on the third day of the pool plant course and pretty much everyone. I mean, I had I had work booked right up to the middle of June. Uh, easily, just about every single week was booked up. And just I just got a barrage of emails saying, listen, Robin, unfortunately, we'll need to cancel this, need to cancel yeah. that. And then on the Monday, pools were shut. I mean, it was difficult because Pewtag, uh, I think, brought out the technical note for mm. how to close your swimming pool. And that was only brought out maybe the Thursday or Friday before lockdown. So you yeah, had so very, that... very little time. It was so short the time to from between when you got the information to, you know, for what to do during lockdown to the actual lockdown happening. So it was frightening. And some people were daft enough to empty their swimming pools and pull the plug. But yes. we'll, talk, we'll talk about that shortly. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was it was unprecedented because especially over this time, because I know we're still in, in, in lockdown restrictions and... Um, Pewtag, you know, obviously, for anyone who doesn't know, will publish technical notes. But, Robin, I don't know about you, but I have never, ever seen them publish this many technical notes in such short a period. Um, no, no, no chance. This is, uh, t- you know, hats off to them. Hats off to Ralph Riley and, and the... Yeah, no, the definitely. Board, you know, the, the, they've certainly been churning them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even last week, uh, he, he, put, he brought out technical note 46B, um, because I think we're, we're right through all the technical notes up to 49, the now, but 46B, so he's continually uh, mm. fluid, much like the guidance for COVID-19 is changing yeah. all the time, completely all the time. And I think because we've had to rush things and, and develop guidance very quickly, there's bodies that have been involved in the creation of the guidance, like Swim England and yeah. RLSS and PewTag, and there's some some parts that are a wee bit conflicting. Um, uh, for example, the pre-swim hygiene side of things, yeah. going for a shower. Uh, this beach ready uh, is a bit of a... And not only that, uh, there's, there's, there's differences in devolved governments. So I know that for you up in Scotland, in communal areas, inside a leisure centre, you're still having to wear a mask. Yeah, uh, that's true. Communal areas. But here down in England, where I'm based, just not far outside London... Um, leisure centres are exempt to it. I mean, some centres have, have, have tried, got, got sort of uh, schemes in where they're doing it themselves and encouraging wearers to use it. But um, for you guys, it is in your government guidelines, isn't it, for wearing of masks in leisure centres? It is, yeah. In the Scottish swimming document, uh, returning to swimming pools, uh, there's a paragraph in there and it clearly states that uh, masks must be worn or yeah. mandatory and must be worn in public areas. Uh, we we still need to understand that you you don't need your mask in the pool hall. You don't need it for yeah. your activity. You just no, not when you're having to work out. That's right. That's right. But going to the gym, you need to have it on. Lifeguards are not required to wear, wear the mask. Yeah. As you know, so as our staff, just in the public areas. Uh, yeah. So there are differences, um, and it, you know, you, we we have to give people a bit of uh, flexibility. Uh, here because the you know when these guidance documents and the the guidelines were written and some of them are regulations some of them are law yeah uh, some of them are guidance uh, you're, you're under extreme pressure at the time you know you, you've got to remember the the circumstances that you're under people are furloughed people are 
uh, you know, or maybe at home, can't leave, shielded. Yeah, maybe shielding. All, all these things, so it's really difficult to meet with people. You know, so not everyone's able to go on Zoom, you know, so you're... Yes. You're, you're We're all under, you know, that arriving beach ready and then not having a shower before you go in the pool was completely alien to think, the whole swimming pool culture. I think and we're now, professionals now, aren't we, Robin? Now on Zoom. Everyone's uh, professionals in, in Zoom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for yeah. I did notice last week that uh, Zoom announced their financial results for the quarter and they'd actually tripled um, <laughs> their financial results uh, compared, and um, they've broken all their budget forecasts and everything because this is obviously, they've been one of the benefactors of this. I have heard that the the COVID nineteen might be might have come from the Zoom head offices. You know, <laughs> so, you know it's, uh, there's always someone managing to profit out of a pandemic, isn't there? Yeah, there's you know, a, a conspiracy. No, good luck to him. Good luck to him because he's been a savior, isn't it? It's been a savior. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. Absolutely. It has. So, um, on the Friday when uh, we went into lockdown, if anyone remembers this, now we had basically had three options. Now, before we get to that, a second, I just want to. So, whilst I was in lockdown, a bit bored, I really wanted to support the industry. So, um, I started coming up with these webinar ideas. And for anyone who hasn't seen, there's been a series, I think there was a total of seven industry expert webinars, which are, are hosted kindly through the RLSS, which was great. It's fantastic. Robin's been on three of them, to be fair. Um, and um, the brainchild of the, the sort of podcast, podcast that we're calling it, it was actually Robin, so I want to give credit to Robin for coming up with this idea before we start talking about our lockdown chat. I left the, it's the, 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 the main ideas come from the fact that Mr Ogilvy has been uh, putting on some great technological uh, breakthroughs in terms of these webinars. We are so far behind in this industry when it comes to the technology that uh, this, was, uh, this was exciting, having people online chatting and uh, answering questions so hats off to you Ian for, for putting the effort in and getting uh, getting word out and messages to the to the industry that were important for during lockdown and for indeed getting ourselves out of this you know so it's uh, definitely yeah. credit to yourself So on the, on the Friday then just as a bit of a rundown because I know Robin's going to give some real practical examples the way that most polls had it and what PewTag did was release their first technical note which was number 43 in this case and that was all about um, temporary closing your pool. Because at the time, none of us knew how long it was going to be. So um, they basically put a couple of options there, but there was a secret third option which kind of raised its head. So option one was to kind of run the pool down a little bit, wasn't it, Robin? Sort of slow it down, um, you know, put it on a minimum. Save energy. Save energy. I yeah. Keep it ticking I... over, save energy, reduce the temperature down to 16, 17 degrees. Yeah. You know, crank your crank your uh, your circulating pumps down. Maybe even go from a three hour to a nine hour turnover, but keep the water circulating somewhat and, and keep the chemical dosing at a very low level, but keeping it ticking over. So it was got, generally keep. It was almost going as limp mode or sleep mode. Yeah, it was. Just keep running, keep running. The term uh, yeah. hibernating came up for that option, didn't it? So hibernating, yeah, yeah. almost. Second option wise was just um, well. Shut it off. Superchlorinate it up a little bit, really, wasn't it? And um, yeah, just yeah, it was, let it stagnant. Yeah, it was pretty much uh, switch everything that was electrical off, um, including your circulating pumps, your heating, uh, everything. Put the pool cover on, raise your 
your free cloning up to 20 milligrams per litre. And uh, that was to obviously keep a, a biocide in the water for a prolonged period of time mm. and make sure that the bacteria wasn't going to take uh, take take a hold and uh, leave it. You know, that was, uh, that was, that was so, the second option, yeah. Yeah, and then, then the, the third option... Which, um, well, it wasn't really an option, that no, one, Ian. That wasn't an option. Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, op- option is the wrong word to use. It, was, it is. Uh, it was the, the, the third route. <laughs> the third route, yeah, because let's be clear, it wasn't something that PewTag recommended, uh, the Pool Water Treatment Advisory uh, Group. It was basically uh, drain it. Yeah, yeah. Pull the plug. Pull, Pull the, the plug. plug and let, let the water go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was an interesting option. So... Let's just um, fast forward a little bit, and um, we're going to come back to some of the other technical notes. But uh, we're going to have a bit of a chat of the kind of implications we've seen when it, we got to um, our grand opening date. Now, obviously, we know that the four different um, devolved nations had different governing guidance of when we could open. Obviously, Scotland was the last of the four to open up. Uh, what was it twenty eighth of August? Wasn't it, Robin? Something like that. Was it twenty eighth of August? If I remember right. Thirty first. Thirty first of August. August. Uh, we were it. actually given, um, I was talking about this yesterday, we were given the 14th of September mm. uh, as a date. And uh, so we, we, we had, I think we, we were given a, a month's notice for that. So that was good. That was good because I, I don't know if you remember, Ian, the, the discussion we had with Swim England, Richard and iOS. Yeah. And we were saying that, we, you know, we, were, we said to... Uh, Swam England, can you get information to the, the government, the UK government, the Scottish government? Yeah. Uh, saying we need three weeks' notice. Three weeks' notice. Yeah. If you can, give us three weeks' notice. So uh, so that that happened in Scotland. We, ha- we had the 14th of uh, September. So everyone was geared up for it. And then the First Minister on the, the Thursday uh, was very helpful and said, right, lads, you can open up Monday. Oh, <laughs> no. So, what does the public do? The public are like knocking on the door. Monday yeah, no, morning, can we get in for a swim? Sorry, guys, we can't get you in. You know, it was, uh, uh, you know, listen, the first minister's going to gonna have to react to the, the circumstances at the yes. time. So, it wasn't her fault. She wasn't trying to do us, do us over. But, um, yeah, it was very difficult trying to open on the Monday. What doesn't do you know what? help? What doesn't help is when the wee guy up in Inverness, I think it's James, uh, he's a cracking guy, opened up at 12.01. On the 31st, one minute past midnight, and it was on uh, on all the news in uh, in Scotland. So everyone else is like, uh, "How come? Uh, how come you're not open?" You know, and all the other sites. Yeah. Uh, they've managed to open up in Inverness, so hats off to Inverness. But that's caused everyone else's customers to go absolutely bananas because no, not everyone you know, managed to open on the Monday. But uh, you know what? Yeah, so that's where we were. That's where we were. We had a very similar situation um, when outdoor pools could open here in England and the very short notice period and and the weekend of outdoor pools opening, they said there was something like, and don't quote me on these figures, it was something like, I know this figure's not necessarily correct, something like 103 public um, outdoor pools in England and um, of the 103 that very weekend, only four opened. (laughs) And And, uh, the BBC... Managed to hunt one down. Um, I think, if a memory serves, it was Charlton Lido, and they managed to hunt down Charlton Lido, and were broadcasting live from there because it was one of the only four that was open. <laughs> oh yeah, and it just so happened that the sun was splitting the skies that weekend as well. Eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone was desperate to go in the, the, the outdoor pools. Yeah, but as what as people need to realise that you just can't open up a swimming pool overnight. 
No. There's a lot of time and effort. And because of the options that we, we, we took, you know, uh, number two was the one that was adopted. And we'll come on to that in a wee minute. Yeah. Uh, which meant there was uh, consequences involved in that. You know, there was algae growth. Uh, you know, there's a lot involved in trying to get a, a, a body of stagnant water up to speed and up to safe conditions uh, prior to letting the public in. You know, there's the filtration to take care of. There's the there's there's a whole manner of things that are required. Even getting a back to the logical sample in uh, and returned in time was not easy at that point in time in Scotland. Anyway, uh, with Scottish Water only allowing yeah. public health uh, samples to be to be done. But yeah, it's you've got all of that to take into consideration. But the public are unaware of that, so it's maybe well, a good thing that they're unaware of it. Funnily enough, for option two, so I had a, I had a pool not not a million miles away from me in the south here. Um, had a, a frantic phone call. This was on the Thursday, day before the Friday when we were due to all up, open up. And uh, what had transcended was this particular pool. Um, they'd been putting um, a product in it called Blue Devils. And Sounds no, good. No one's ever heard of these Blue Devils before. They're slow-release chlorine tablets, but but for us, they're uh, trichlorisocyanuric acid. Oh, and nice. what was happening with this public pool was every now and again, uh, they were just throwing these tablets in into the bottom of the pool, letting them dose in. Um, and uh, just you know, just leaving them, and the water was crystal clear, and it was great. But not actually doing a pool test. So what transpired when they actually came around to try and open it up? Um, it was close to 100 parts per million, or 100 milligrams per liter, um, as a chlorine level. <laughs> uh, and not only that, these tablets have cyanuric acid in them. And as it was an indoor public pool, it's not something they were used to cyanuric acid. So they created something called chlorine lock. Yeah. Yeah, um, which when you're up at 100 parts per million and you've got to try and get it down, and you've got no uh, sodium thiosulfate chlorine reducer. It's an absolute nightmare to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, so I had some I had some fun and games trying to do that, trying to get uh, the chlorine to burn it out, burn out the cyanuric acid. So that yeah. was very interesting. I managed Trichlor it. But yeah, it was interesting. Trichlor tablets are not not ideal for indoor pools. I mean, no, not at all. Uh, they used to be used in a, a council in Scotland, um, and the reason that they used the tri well, I think it was dichlor that they were using at the time, uh, was because uh, it allowed them to check if the, the caretakers and the janitors were backwashing because the guy would go around, uh, the, the area guy would go around doing a cyanuric acid test, and if the cyanuric acid uh, levels were high, that, that let them know that the guys hadn't been doing their backwashing. So... But that's going back about 20 years. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't use that method anymore. Uh, and really, trichlor uh, should only be used in an outdoor pool. It's, it's, not the, it's not the nicest of products, but it serves a purpose. It's very good for an outdoor pool. But indoor pools, I would be reluctant to use it. it increases the TDS. The sign of the cast, it isn't ideal in an indoor pool either. Uh, not at all, mate. So, um, what about this? Um, well, we won't call it a third option. We'll call it the third route, shall we, or the, or the extra yeah. route? What kind of what kind of bad experiences have you come across up in Scotland? Because I've seen a few down here, but what have you seen there, Robin? Where you've decided to drain it? Aye, listen, there's been quite a few uh, facilities that have come back to me saying, "Listen, Robin, we've had a nightmare when we filled our water back up. Uh, we've got cracks. Maybe not the tiles falling off the wall, but they've had cracking um, appearing on the, on the pool basin. Uh, listen, a lot of these pools that were emptying." Uh, had never emptied for 20 years. Yeah. So the change in pressure, the expansion joints had moved. 
contracted, and it's just it creates weaknesses. Not necessarily all around the pool. It could just be one particular area, uh, a bit of grout loss, a cracking. But yeah. that needs that that now becomes a weakness, and when you fall back up, that will that will now expand, and you'll get potential for leakages. There's 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 some pools that also found out that the ones that didn't empty, uh, they found out when they went back in to look at it that there was uh, maybe twelve inches gone of water. Which yes. would, that let them know that they've got another wee issue, you know, in terms of yeah. leakages. I know that um, there was a pool in Hartlepool that made the press that found that they, yes. uh, they had a pipe, uh, I think it was on the outlet, if I remember, if memory serves, that it went. But um, we've had uh, quite bad pools down here doing some really bad tiling failure with tiles. We've lost tiles. We've lost various different things. Discovery, you've got a leak. Um, I've, I've explained the bucket test to quite a few people <laughs> down the road as well. That's uh, another little um, uh, interesting we might talk about one day is how to do the bucket test to see if you're losing water or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a bit of an interesting one with some of the different pools. We just can't pull the plug. And the other interesting thing is, um, I wonder the question being asked here, how many of these pools actually had asked for a discharge notice? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so important uh, that you inform SEPA uh, in Scotland, that is. Uh, and you should have a discharge, in Scotland anyway, you should have a discharge certificate from Scottish Water before you can even do any of this. You know, it's... And, and in that, that discharge certificate, there might be information about uh, that's particular for that area, that geographical area. That means that you have to contact Scottish Water or SEPA prior to, to, to dropping any uh, amount of water. Because it could go into surface drain and it could, could end up going into, uh, into the flora and fauna and killing fish yes. and contaminating. And it's, it can be a nightmare. can be a nightmare. But yes. that, it was everyone was so quick and back then. It was so... Yeah, uh, kind of knee jerk, and it was like, what do we do, you know? And and it was about keeping folk at home. And uh, I've been doing training this week, and and the guys we were talking about, we were doing a, a bit of COVID nineteen training about how to get back up and running. And uh, we were talking about, you know, retrospectively about what we did during lockdown, and we were discussing the options. And uh, the the maintenance guys were actually saying, well, why didn't we go with option one? Why didn't we keep the this this pool water keep you know keep it circulating keep it ticking over because they were had, suffering from problems with algae, uh, poor circulation, discoloration of the water, and so on and so on, and biofilm growth and all that, and uh, all relevant points because they obviously went with option two, which meant no circulation. Yes, put um, you off know, and so walk that, out. That's it. So they they had to suffer from it. I mean, they raised a free chlorine. But again, pure circulation, stagnant water, the water's not moving, microbiological growth, uh, surfaces getting biofilm. Uh, so that was all happening. And, they were, and obviously the guys, when they were coming back to try and open up the swimming pools or get them prepared, were having to deal with these issues. And they were saying, well, why didn't we actually keep them ticking over? But if you remember back to the start of lockdown, and this shows that we, we kind of forget things uh, and people have short memories, but both... Nicola Sturgeon, Boris Johnson, whoever, Professor Jason Leach in Scotland, the clinical director, all these guys were saying, stay home, stay safe, and don't go for essential travel. Uh, don't go for travel unless it was essential. You could only go to Aldi's once a week for your shopping. <laughs> you know, if, if you were driving from 
uh, Glasgow to Edinburgh or somewhere uh, along the, the MA during that time, the initial four, six weeks, uh, two months, you know, and you were you were stopped by the police and they asked you, excuse me, son, where are you going? Uh, well, I'm going to just do a wee pool test at my swimming pool to check that, that it's okay and check the circulating pumps uh, are working and so on. I don't think uh, the police would see that as essential travel. I think they would say, uh, you know, can you know, just switch everything off? So, you know, although we had option one, option two, and then the kind of unofficial option, uh, really option two must have been what was uh, uh, adopted by the majority yes. of, of the swimming pool fraternity. Understandably so. Understandably so. It would have been great to go on, I've gone with option one because you would have been going back into your swimming pool, could open it up fairly easily without too many dramas. But uh, to be fair, I think uh, most organisations and leisure providers were right to say to their staff, don't travel. Option two. Yeah, it has yeah. to be option two. Don't travel, go with option two. So then, so then um, obviously we've shut it down. And during this time, what um, PewTag, if anyone's not seen it, did um, they, they released the next couple of technical notes. So the first one came up was TN45, which is um, basically it was about um, disinfect. Oh, sorry, TN44, sorry, was about disinfecting for coronavirus. And it was some information early doors. It has uh, been amended. There's a second version that came out, but there was information about what um, disinfection would do to uh, SARS-CoV-2, which is sort of the precursor for the virus. Um, and then really fast forwarding, we were all sitting there hoping for the next part, which was when we're going to reopen. And that's when TN45 came out, which is when I think people started to discover the problems, wasn't it, Robin? Because what had happened with the 45, as far as PewTag were concerned, there only was two options. You either had hibernated it or shut it down and uh, dosed it up. And yeah. none, none of the emptying carry on. So it had both the options there of, um, of getting it up. To, but to be fair... I think of memory serves, they did actually put in there what if someone has actually emptied it. Um, they did, they did, uh, yeah. Because uh, I mean, there's uh, they, they put in the guidance about how to refill the swimming pool about uh, filling the water up at three centimeters per hour maximum and raising the temperature at 0 0.25 degrees per hour max. So there was all that put in, but then. When people emptied the pool, they probably didn't realise there was all that guidance, there was all that information, yes. there was all these, uh, you know, you know, all all these things you had to do prior to opening back up. So the people were starting to get a bit. Uh, three weeks to get back up because raising our, our water at three centimetres an hour is going to take a 3.8 metre swimming pool. Now, I know that's very deep, but there are pools out there that are 3.8 metres deep. It'll take 20, 127 hours to fill it up, you know, plus you need to heat it, treat it, and then you need to backwash. Then you've got all your, all everything else that's involved in opening up the swimming pool, make sure the coagulant's right, make sure that all the biofilm's been removed, make sure that the balance tank's been checked. All of that needs to be done as well. So you were, people were looking at thinking, my word, We've emptied our swimming pool and it could be three weeks before we're even able to get up and running, which yeah. was a concern because when things were moving so fast during lockdown, you might have got word, as did happen, 
on a Thursday, we can open on a Monday. You yes. Know, that, was it, that was it. You know, and you, you can't react very quickly if you've no water. I definitely think, I mean, it's fair to, it's easy to criticise when you stand on one point, you know, to, to basically sort of criticise any, any movement the government's done. You know, it's a, it's a new virus. It's very difficult. This is an unprecedented sort of time of all of our lives, you know, from, from also, I think anyone here, you probably haven't experienced such sort of um, strict, disciplined time since probably the Second World War, I would have thought, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's um, but for many of us are in our lifetime who haven't got experience of that, this this is completely new to us, you know, feeling of restrictions, stay at home, limited on products, as, as you know, obviously Robin's like one of his trade secrets away, he shops in Aldi all the time. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure it, it, we do laugh about it, but I think we all remember the supermarkets being cleared, can't get flour and eggs for love nor money. Um, you know, um, if anyone's does any building work out there, you know, building products were a nightmare to get hold of. Um, even a few domestic pools I was looking after, I couldn't get a hold of chlorine from some suppliers. I've actually changed suppliers three times during lockdown to get a hold of um, chlorinated products for disinfecting pools. Uh, they keep wondering why I'm having to change all the time. Um, so yeah, that was sort of TN45 was trying to get us to really reopen. I was I was actually wrong, to, to be fair. It only talked about option one and option two and there. It didn't talk about sort of refilling it. I seem to remember myself and um, Ian Nix did a webinar on that, actually, where we talked unofficially what to do if you had emptied it. So then um, came sort of number 46, Robin, which is kind of where we're all at just now, TN46. Yeah. Operating during when you know during a COVID time, so to speak, and that's me just giving it a short uh, sort of uh, sort of title. But yeah, operating during a COVID time, um, and this is where obviously PewTax guidance is the same for the, the entirety of the UK, but um, the devolved governments have a slightly different uh, mock-up on it, and not only that, the devolved um, swimming governing bodies as well, don't they, mate? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I mentioned earlier on. Uh, Swim England, the idea, I think their, their ethos was for people to arrive at swimming pools ready to go swimming. Uh, beach ready is the word they used. Not yeah. sure if that's going to really hit home. Maybe pool ready might have been a better option. But they, listen, they went beach ready to try and communicate to people, listen, this is what you, we want you to do. Not, It's a difficult one because at the time, you know, we, we didn't know what the landscape would look like when no, we opened no. back up. People are now using public transport, uh, you know, getting people to come to a swimming pool, not using the changing rooms, not using the showers and then go home. is maybe not as logistically easy uh, as we thought it would be. Because, you know, people have got wet costumes. What yeah. can they do to, if they're sitting in a bump, you know, on a bus, a train or whatever? It's not, uh, it's not easy. So, Putag have brought out TN46B. Yes. They have specifically said, listen, you know, we need to still allow people to shower prior yeah. to entering the pool. And, you know, we need to, if you can satisfy social distancing, listen, try and be, you know, try and operate your swimming pool as normal as you can when it comes to changing rooms, uh, cleanliness, uh, showering, before and, you know, and after. This, yeah. this might be a bit of a, a shocker to some of you. I mean, not if you, depending how far you're on the pool industry, but certainly not for me or Robin or some of our esteemed colleagues sometimes. We're one of the last nations in Europe that actually enforce pre-swim showering. Now, I'm talking pre-COVID times, not, um, not um, COVID-19 times. You know, 
there's a, a vast amount of countries around Europe where you cannot get anywhere near the swimming pool unless you pre swim showered. And Robin, I'm going to give you a bit of a laugh now. I always remember um, going to Iceland a couple of years ago. Uh, if anyone's ever been there to the Blue Lagoon, one of the, one of the largest pools in Europe. And um, separate male and female changing room. And um, as part of the policy there, we were forced to have uh, naked showers, mate. Yeah. You actually had to have a naked shower. <laughs> and just before you went in there, um, that's when you're just praying that the water's not cold, by the way. Uh, just <laughs> um, there, was a, there was a picture on the wall, mate, of like a little cartoon character. And it had the head, the armpits, and you sort of groin area as a red danger area, saying you must wash these areas. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but Robin, believe it or not, this will make you laugh this part. They had a shower in attendant sat in a chair. And it was like an open room. There wasn't cubicles, but just showers on the wall. And um, this shower attendant had to watch you shower. And there was a, a tourist in there that came through. I was showering. This other tourist had come through, um, Asian in origin, somewhere sort of an Orient and a sort of Thai or Chinese sort of along those lines. I don't think he quite understood it. And um, he didn't take a shower, tried to go straight through. And literally, this shower attendant was up straight away, dragged him back, shoved him in the showers. I thought, that's a job and a half, isn't it? What do you do for a living, Robin? I'm a shower attendant. I watch people get naked every day and, <laughs> and scrub the rectum. Did the shower attendant help him scrub his bits? No, no. I think you had to pay extra for that, mate, to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, do you know what? wouldn't mind that. If it was uh, Max changing rooms, that would be all right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, listen, we're far, we're far behind. Uh, other countries when it comes to peace yeah, and hygiene uh, and it really it's the foundation of water treatment for us you know because because of that we struggle to achieve uh, the, the levels, the chemical levels the, the pH levels, the free chlorine levels that we would yeah. love to, to, to achieve uh, because we've got so many uh, cosmetics lotions, potions, powders all going into the swimming pool because nobody's shivering yeah, other, and countries, other countries can manage to maintain their free chlorine very low, their pH down, do. because they do. they're, not, they're not dealing with it. Yeah. And I like, this, um, I like this phrase, and I'm sure, I know that certainly you'll use this, and I know some of my colleagues out there will use this, prevention's better than cure. Let's stop it getting in the pool in the first place, and then we don't have to worry about it. Um, now, for any of you out there with TN46, this is, this is the document, that's, um, the one that really is the linchpin for us, we're operating, because... We now need to think of our free chlorine level and our pH level. Now, this is where everyone's turned their head and starting to panic a little bit. And I just want to put out there to you that for a lot of us here, maybe you've been on holiday before. Germany, I'm going to use as the example in this case. Um, and, uh, you know, you're in a German resort or in a hotel or something like that. You don't have any hesitation in getting in the pool. The water's nice and clear. It looks nice. Uh, a lot of them will make you, well, Germany is very much uh, heavy on the swimming hats. Yeah, got to wear a swimming hat and pre-swim shower. But um, the Germans have been operating at a pH of 6.8 for, for years. Uh, and we get a little bit edgy. So for us now, Robin, we've got down to this. Well, ideally, what a sort of a minimum free chlorine level should be 1.5 milligrams per litre. And your pH, you know, ideally towards 7.0, but 7.72 if you can get it. Yeah. And yeah. What, people, what people don't get is it's a sliding scale, isn't it? That the higher pH goes, you're going to have to put your minimum free chlorine level up. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, to put it in a kind of percentage terms, 
if your if your pH is sitting at seven, the chlorine is working at approximately seventy percent effectiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's around about seventy percent. Now, if your pH is at seven five, that goes right down to fifty percent. Yeah. Yeah. So the 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 pH going down means you could use or well pre COVID anyway pre COVID meant that you could use a lot less free chlorine. Obviously, we're in unprecedented times, and your absolute minimum for your free chlorine <coughs> now is one point five. However, the pH, the influence of pH on chlorine is still the same. When we get through this. COVID-19, when we've got a vaccine, when we've got antibody tests, when things get back to normal, whenever that is, which could be a year, could be 18 months, it could be six months. I, I, I haven't got a crystal ball, I'm afraid. But no. when we get through this, it would be great if we could continue to maintain those pH levels. Yes. But allow us to use a lot less chlorine. Yeah. So maybe some good will come out of this lockdown. Maybe some good. It will. And, and for me, I would, you know, if it's certainly a pull out there, I, I would just continue with the new norm being, do you know what? Pre-swim showering, it's mandatory. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. something else we'll continue with. And, and the thing is, people have to remember here is those chlorination levels, we're talking about using sodium or um, calcium hypochlorite here because there's slight differences with some of the other uh, uh, bromine or uh, chlorine-based disinfectant products. But um, it, it was regardless of whether you've got a UV or an ozone system. So we had to yeah. up the ante. And, and for anyone out there, I want to make this sort of clear is because we don't necessarily know what exactly your flow dynamics are doing in your pool, or whether you've got a, a dead spot or something along those lines. Because, Robin, I was at a pool about two weeks ago, mate. Uh, public pool, central London, uh, had a free chlorine range of not – free chlorine was at 0.6 – pH was, I think it was about 7.2 or 7.4. Uh, pool was open, public pool, and I said, what are you doing? We've got UV. The guidance says regardless. You just, you know, th this is the key message. You've got to just say it's regardless of UV. Don't, you know, um, you can't confirm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's actually, <laughs> it's, it's tough for those that have got UV because yeah. now you're in a situation where you've got a, a brilliant back cap, uh, it's deemed as best practice. It's phenomenal in re removing organic chloramines and blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. The advantages and benefits are fantastic. However, the disadvantage of the UV is the fact that it kills chlorine. Yes. And now you're running your chlorine at 1.5, which, you know, you may not need. That, that free chlorine might not be all used up in the pool, but when it goes through the UV, it's now going to get killed off. It's going to get photooxidized by the UV and that's going to mean that you're, you're, you're probably going to spend a wee bit of money trying to maintain the free chlorine level at 1.5 when you've got UV. However, when we get through this, then the UV, the pH going right down to 7, that pool that you're talking about operating at 0.6, that will be spot on. But at this point in time, to satisfy the PewTag uh, parameters, for COVID-19, we need that 1.5. And that's down to, as you say, Ian, listen, there's pools out there. This is, it applies to all pools. So those that have got good circulation, poor circulation, uh, good hydraulics, whatever, 
they're all satisfying it so that every pool's safe. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's what people have to sort of get through their heads is that um, it, it, we are at unprecedented times. I think everyone's in a learning curve. Um, I know for myself I have been. You know, if I, if I had a pound for every guidance document I read, I'd probably be, I'd be selling up at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I know Robin and... Um, knows this but I've been involved for anyone who doesn't know us with um, the, the COVID-19 testing on uh, on pool water um, which has been sort of facilitated by water babies I've been asked to sort of help them out um, which which to be fair you know I, you know, I, w- I was more than happy to help them out because I'm really interested to see what's going to happen there um, you know it's still ongoing as to testing with, at Imperial College London and I hope sort of one time not so far in the future, we might have some results for some people to publish, but until such time, uh, we just sort of continue with the testing at this point. Um, and that, that to me is a bit frustrating as well, Robin, because it's after the horse is bolted, so to speak. <laughs> Let's see what happens with it afterwards. I know, it's, it's, but it, that, that's, that's indicative of what's happened throughout the, this whole period. Yeah. Um, you know, COVID-19, it's an envelope virus. Yes. So, uh, although we do not have uh, empirical evidence, scientific uh, research about COVID nineteen, because it was only it's only you know become known to us since uh, December last year. The fact that it's an envelope virus similar to SARS, we have the research and the empirical evidence about SARS. So we have to assume that because COVID nineteen is an envelope virus, it will mimic what happens to SARS. However, it would, as you say, it would be fantastic if we actually have, you know, black and white evidence to say that COVID-19 at a temperature yes. of 30 degrees centigrade with a pH of 7 is killed by chlorine at 0.65 milligrams per litre. That would be brilliant if we've got that. And as soon as we can get that from the Imperial, Imperial College in London, yeah. then we can maybe make adjustments. But we have to, we have to set everything to how an envelope virus has been treated in the past. So until such a time, we can't really deviate on that. No matter yes. what we think, we, we, we have to go with that, don't we? It's tough. It is tough. And hopefully, you, you know, the, the work that you're doing with the Imperial College will be out yeah. soon and that will be, you know, maybe shed some light on maybe some positive news will come out too. That would be great. It would. And then... Um... Then that sort of brings us on to the last technical note that, that PewTag published, which was uh, technical note 47. And this is, uh, I'm going to use a swear word now, Robin. You're not going to like it. Oh, I know no, a lot of people mate, out there won't no. like this. Concrete, that's Spars and hot tubs, mate. Concrete, you know. Unless it's your own. Unless it's your own. I don't... I think that's what the guidance says. It says, it says yeah, phone up the concrete that's company, that's order five tons and pour it in. Place. They're fantastic pieces of kit. They're brilliant for relaxation. And you know what? I would no, use do. one all day long if it was in my own household. Uh, I don't mind sitting in my own shit. It's when I sit in other people's shit that I have problems with, you know? Uh, so sharing hot tubs and spas is just not in my book. You know, that's not in my bag. Having it in my own room at home, I'd be happy to use it, but just excuse no. me while I don't share everyone else's germs, you know? But yeah, <laughs> TN47, you know? Yeah, it's an interesting. Well, it's it's not, and it isn't. It, the problem is we can't socially distance in them because most of them are pretty small. 
four, six or eight people, uh, very short diameter, and you, you physically can't socially distance with them. And one of my one of my sort of uh, first jobs, not the first job working in pools, I used to work for a hotel chain and we had a pool, and uh, a spa pool. And it, was on, it wasn't very big. It was just sort of six people, a uh, fiberglass one, sort of independent system. Um, I won't tell you how long ago this was. It'll give you an idea of my age. But um, heaven forbid if that spar was off or if I had to close it because it was, you know, um, chemical levels weren't correct or I was having to clean it and scrub it out. And to give you a bit of an idea how long ago this was, Robin, at this particular place, we used to close for a half day <laughs> on a Wednesday so we could deep clean every week. I would have to pressure the whole side and empty and drain down. And one of us would get the short straw. We'd jump in the spa and scrub it out. That was once a week. And that, that was at lunchtime. We shut at lunchtime yeah, for four like hours and reopened uh, at four o'clock. I'll actually uh, talk about the, the time scale. I remember back in the early 90s to mid 90s, I used to have to backwash the spa at the place I worked at twice a week. And it had to be done after the pool, the, the facility was closed. So I was on my own. So this was before even confined spaces regulations came out. Yeah. And I had to climb into that balance tank. And I had to clean it. I had to clean the spa. I was involved in a sand change in the spa. And this is why I don't like using spas because the amount of keek that I used to see, oh, the sand change was, oh, I'm, I'm starting to, my, the hairs in the back of my neck are going up just at <laughs> the thought of cleaning that balance tank and seeing the sand change and having to scrub that, that spa when I was, uh, obviously I was uh, I was about 10 years old back then. <laughs> no, when I was about 20 years old, you know, so um, that's yeah, frightening. If, if it, that's right. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know Rob, he's only 23, yeah. the chlorine's pretty. <laughs> no, they're, they're yeah, a difficult yeah, one as well. Right. And also, aerosols. it's difficult Nightmare. because the aerosols, aerosols, doesn't it, Max? And you're right, social distancing is a disaster. Yeah, and, and AGP, AGP is uh, what a lot of look, look, aerosol um, generated procedures a lot of us have been looking at. And um, uh, yeah, so, and well, Robin, I'm not being funny, but also just thinking about sparse for a second. Um, Scotland's had their own experience <laughs> yeah, with these, localised yeah. lockdown, I believe. Uh, there was a wee cluster um, uh, going back a few weeks. And now Scotland is doing pretty well, doing really, really well in terms of the infection rate. It's fantastic. But uh, there was a wee <laughs> rumour going about when there was a wee cluster. There was a cluster uh, in Dumfries and Galloway. Uh, it was something like 11 people, 11 people that uh, got, got COVID. Now, this was when we were getting virtually nothing. So that was it. Was it was obviously big news, big drama, and uh, my wife, who's a nurse, found out that uh, the the wee outbreak in Dumfries and Galloway was uh, was due to a nurse who was working at Carlisle Hospital. She obviously working at the hospital. She came home on the Saturday night and decided to have a wee hot tub party with ten of her pals. Yeah, now. I'm not suggesting that they got their comeuppance, but all 11 of them ended up with COVID-19, which meant lockdown area, a lockdown for that area around about Annan, uh, down in Dumfries and Galloway. Yeah? Now, I'm not saying that anyway, it serves people right or anything like that, but yeah, that just says it all about hot tubs. Yeah, and the reason why, um, when, I, when Robin told me about this, it made me chuckle. For anyone who doesn't know me up there, that's, um, Annan was my hometown in Scotland. 
um, before I moved away sort of back in the uh, late 90s and, and moved down south. So, you know, Annan's my uh, my hometown back up there, just in Dumfries and Galway, just over the border. So it kind of made me chuckle at the time when I heard about it. And uh, I, I feel for my poor sister and uh, my niece and nephew and her partner <laughs> who had to go into lockdown brilliant, because of this Yeah, I mean, we've been probably been jibbering uh, on for near near 50 minutes. Uh, so I don't know how long podcasts take, Ian, but uh, we might be boring the hind legs off of people uh, uh, that are listening in. But I think it's important what we what we tell them is what we've got planned for going forward in terms of guests. Uh, we're going to get people that are interesting uh, on, as opposed to us, just uh, havering away, as they say. Yeah. But uh, we've got big plans coming up uh, for bringing in some key key people from the industry to come in and have a chat. People that are a lot more interesting than us, that probably have expertise in certain areas that might be of interest to the mm-hmm. listeners. Yeah, so we um we've already approached a few people and uh, they've sort of agreed wholeheartedly. There's been there's been good good response to um you know what, what they want to do, what, yeah. what people want to hear. But we want to hear from you guys as well, don't we, Robin? So if you know, um we'll we'll be able to sort of comment on our, uh, the Facebook page that will put this out on Swimpool Network. Hear from you of any ideas of subjects or guest speakers if we could try and get some of them. Uh, people maybe that you want to hear from or subjects you want to hear about. Um, and, you know, the idea is for this is that hopefully the podcast, you can listen back at any episode you want. And you might just listen in the car, really, you know, commuting in. Um, yeah, the idea, yeah, I think, we'll is once a week, out, Robin, maybe. isn't it? Try and get we'll one of these out a week. And we'll, we'll have a couple of beers while we're doing it, you know. <laughs> just try and, try, and, uh, try and get some entertainment, get some light relief to the to the masses that work in the swimming pool industry that have suffered over the last six months. But we're also trying to help uh, provide some value, provide some information, provide some, you know, decent messages that can help people going forward and maybe maintaining their swimming pool and get, get some, add something to the, to the industry, you know, cause it's, it's whatever's happened over the last six months. Yeah. Uh, the positive that's come out of this is that we've been, you know, working together as an industry, we've been chatting, we've been getting information out, we've been collaborating, we've been speaking to each other, there's been Facebook pages going up, there's webinars, and it's been fantastic from that perspective. So long may it continue, and hopefully this podcast will help help keep that ticking along nicely. So just one final point for me, really, I would just say stay safe. Join us on our next episode. Yeah, yeah thanks. And it's uh, goodbye for me, Robin. And uh, goodbye to the listeners, and we'll speak to you soon.